0: College circuit speaker, Jesse Mogul. Welcome back to College Success Habits, my friends. As always, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here for the next 20, 30 minutes or so. You know, I have really begun to actively think about how mental health is affecting all of us, especially in our youth, and how the way we get ourselves into these mental habits that become our physical habits really will long-term affect our lives. And it was always my intention to put a great deal of emphasis on the physical body and how to take care of it, on mental health and how to be mindful of it, on our emotional intelligence, on our spiritual IQ, which again is not anything to do with religion as much as it's more morals, ethics, value, integrity. Right? How are you showing up in the world as someone who honors their word? Very much uh, Don uh, Miguel Ruiz's Four Agreements. How are you showing up as the best version of yourself every day? In our youth, at least in mine, in the 90s, there wasn't information available to us like there is now. And now we're literally in the... You know we're in this information age where anything you want to know is at your fingertips, and because of that, there's an inundation of information that comes at us, and we're to the point now where we don't even necessarily trust the outlets that we get information from, right? You've got a backache and you go on WebMD, and all of a sudden it's telling you you've got colon cancer. Like, right? can you trust that? Can you trust any of the news outlets? Because who knows who owns that and what their agenda is. For my agenda. No one owns me. No one's paying me to do this show. I haven't made a dime off the show and and I never really figured out a way to do that. I still think there's some sponsorship availabilities out there for soda water. I'd love to have Bubbly sponsor my show because I just love soda water. When you look for places to get information, you want to make sure that it's coming at you, not necessarily unbiased because every human has their own biases. We have our own reticular activated system, which means that we look for ways that we're right. Humans want to be right. So if you tell yourself you're stupid, you'll look for ways that you're stupid. If you tell yourself that you're smart, you'll look for ways that you're smart. I mean, this is just basic psychology 101. And we've talked about this to a great deal. This is why developing a growth mindset is so important. You don't need to know everything today. What I would desire for you to understand is that you can learn anything you want if you're willing to prioritize it. Be decisive, step into courage, and start to take action towards something you want in life. That's the essence of college. You were in a very controlled environment in high school where you took the classes that were available to you with the teachers that were there, and you really didn't have much say in what you were going to do while you were in the classroom, You took the classes that were available and you went off and you did the extracurricular activities that were available. And most high schools, you know, it's limited in comparison to the university system. You get to college and it's like the whole world is open to you and it can be a paradox of choice. Like when you're at the grocery store and you're looking for toothpaste and there's 47 versions of Crest. In the end, you want your teeth to be relatively white and you don't want cavities and plaque. So really, how many options in the toothpaste aisle do we need? But in this world that we live in, giving people a plethora of choice is seen as uh, almost like it's our right. When in reality, it can be so many choices we don't know what to choose. You want to be paying attention to your own paradox of choices that you put yourself into. How are you deciding to choose your major? How are you deciding to choose the extracurricular activities that you do? How are you choosing uh, what fraternity or sorority, or maybe you stayed as a goddamn independent like they used to call them at Ball State, GDIs? How is your paradox of choice putting you in a situation where perhaps you just get frozen by so many choices, you just end up staring at toothpaste for the next 45 minutes and in the end you're like, I just need to get something. So you just grab it and you don't even really pay attention to what you're grabbing. You get home and you realize this toothpaste is actually loaded with sugar and it says right here, well, guaranteed to give me cavities. You want to not be locked in on the paradox of choice for so long that you ultimately just end up choosing something for the sake of choosing something. This thought actually came into my head recently because I was doing my fantasy football draft and you're sitting there, you know, I'm, I would have, you know, 16 picks in between me and the next person I got to choose. And I'm watching people go off the board. And then when it finally becomes my turn, it's like, Well, you know, what do I, running back, wide receiver, tight end, quarterback, all these options. And then in the end, I end up getting flustered and, you know, picking somebody who I didn't want. And I really, when it was all said and done, I knew exactly who I should have picked. But for some reason, having all of these choices in front of me, I couldn't see the clarity that I wanted Benny Snell as my backup backup running back and not some rando dude from the Raiders. Now, for those of you not into fantasy football, I'm not trying to alienate you here. I'm just simply saying that when you're looking at a list of 400 players to choose from and you're on the clock, it's a lot more difficult than as soon as you make a choice and it's somebody else's turn. And now you look down and you're like, that's the guy I wanted. Well, where was that answer in my head before I made the choice that I didn't want? Where was that clarity? And the clarity comes from simply asking myself, when this is all said and done, when this is over, what will I have preferred to have chosen? What is something that I would prefer to have done in college that once this is over, I could potentially look back and say, damn it, that was a missed opportunity. When you make a list up of things that you would prefer to do, that you would prefer to experience. Even if the list is completely random and makes no sense to you as you're writing it, at some point you can look down at 20 or 30 things and there's a mental order you'll naturally put things into. And you'll be like, yeah, you know, I don't need to to take the Belize Language Club as much as I would love to learn the clarinet, right? Like all of a sudden you start to realize, given a limited amount of free time I have in college, what is an extracurricular activity that I could potentially look back on and really wish I had taken advantage of? We're left with this paradox of choice in so many areas of our lives. And when it comes to mental health, blessed be that Simone Biles had her moment in the Olympics where she chose mental health over the promise of gold. Right When someone's spinning through the air and they're trying to keep an eye on the ground so that they land accurately, that's very dangerous. She wasn't in the right headspace, so she chose not to perform. 20 years ago, the media would have had a field day on her, said she cracked under pressure. And people have still said that. But that's that's those people who are going to sit there in their little journalism room or in their little troll center in their parents' basement, and they're going to say whack things because, hey, why not punk someone else because their life isn't living up to their own expectations of what they'd prefer to see themselves doing. So best knock somebody else down a couple notches that have to look in the mirror and realize they're not making choices that are leading them to their empowered sense of self. We all have experienced those people who just seem to want to kick you when you're down. That's on them. That's them projecting their own insecurities and perceived inferiorities onto you so they don't have to look at themselves and, and question why they're making the decisions they're making. can guarantee you, anyone who's ever hit a vault, sprinting as fast as they possibly can, and then flipped a bunch of times in the air and then landed that, not one of those people has come out publicly and chastised Simone Biles for not performing. They called it the spinnies or something like that, and they all understood. Only the people who've never done that are the ones talking smack, which is very odd to me that the people who have the least experience in something tend to be the ones who want to judge it the most harshly. I love watching football, and I listen to the pundits all the time, and a majority of them are people who've actually played, because if you're going to dog on somebody's play, generally it's believed that you should at least have played it yourself to understand. Now, there's a certain amount of performance anxiety any player will have, and I'm sure you've experienced it as well, where you finally get up to the plate to do your thing, and you you get in your head, and all of a sudden things start to go awry. I don't think everybody who talks about sports needs to have played it in order to understand the physical acumen that it takes to accomplish it, right? If you keep throwing the ball five yards short of the intended receiver, at some point, any moron can step up with a microphone and say, you're not throwing the ball very well. You don't have to have played football for 12 years to be able to make that commentary, But a majority of the time, what we end up finding ourselves doing as a society is speaking about things that we know very little about. And when we know very little about something, then we're just using our our opinions to create our entire perspective on this particular subject. I don't follow politics. I have no intention of following politics. I've, I follow it when it comes time for election. I really root that the person I voted for follows through with the promises they made specifically about the areas that I'm the most interested in, and I really hope they don't screw the pooch on the things that I'm not as interested in. Unfortunately, we find ourselves in a society that's polarized by, t- by politics. We're polarized by religion. We're polarized by sexuality. We're polarized by these social issues. Most of us, which only have our own perspective in mind whenever we want to start to come at somebody else for having a different perspective because they have a different model of the world, a different point of view because they haven't experienced life the way we've experienced it. When we don't open our minds up to the idea that we don't know everything, that we can't possibly know everything, then we limit our growth mindset to only being focused in on what we already feel like we know. And in that case, that's actually a fixed mindset. If you are only learning about and following through on the things that you're already good at, then you're putting yourself into a bubble that says, well, I know I'm good here, so I'll keep doing this stuff here. I don't want to go over there and try to do something new because I may not be great at it right off the bat, and I don't want to have to take that ego hit. It's in the ego hit that we grow. It's in the ego hit that we develop that when we realize that through humility, we can lower our opinions of ourselves, not necessarily like, I'm a piece of shit and I don't, I'm not worthy of anything, pardon my French. Right? I'm not talking about you know, taking the ego hit there. I'm just simply making a point of we can walk away from something and go, I'm not great at that. I may not even be all that good at it. But if I focus on it and I prioritize it, I can get better at it. I'm not going to blow anyone away with my ukulele skills, but if I put enough attention toward it, I can absolutely play somewhere over the rainbow like that one dude did on the ukulele at the end of this Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore movie, Fifty First Dates. You can begin to get better at anything that you desire. And when you make this list of things that you could be pursuing in college, I absolutely strongly advise you to put things on there that you think you have zero qualifications for even trying out, let alone putting attention toward. When you push ourselves outside of our bubble, we realize that we are capable of magnificent things. Sure, the ego has to take a hit. We do realize that we're not a genius. We're not physically gifted at every single thing that we do. I, You know, Michael Jordan was the best basketball player on the planet, at least arguably so, for many years. But couldn't even make the majors in baseball, right? So you can't just say, well, because you're great at this, you're naturally going to be great at that. But he did it. He tried it. He gets to know that he pursued it. All the pundits who wanted to write nasty things about his abilities, those are the ones who, that's, that's their skill. Their skill is writing. Could they have written nicer things? Sure. Do you get more clicks? Do you get more readership whenever you say nasty things about the best basketball player on the planet trying to play baseball? Of course. But if you're just doing things for the prestige, for the social acumen, for people to pay attention to you, then is that really the driving force that's going to keep you sustained in pushing yourself into that endeavor? At some point you go and you tell your whole family and all your friends, I'm gonna, you know, pick up the ukulele. And sure, people are gonna be varying degrees of excited about that for you. But after a while, they I mean everybody's focused on their own lives. No one cares as much about your life as you do. Even if you're a parent. At some point, like you you might be all up on your your kids and helicopter parenting your kids. But in the end, like there's still a dramatic more focus on your own life, in your head you're spinning around about your own insecurities and your own fallibilities and your own this that or the other. You're obsessed with yourself. We are. That's that's like that's the ego. It's Id, super. Id. It's the whole brain. I mean, it's like it's here to keep us alive. It's here to help us feel better. It's here to to get us to get up every day and and to pursue and to achieve, you will be thinking about your life way more than you'll ever be thinking about somebody else's. It's in that thinking of your own life that you have to start to question what voices are you using in your head that determine how you talk to yourself. When you start having empowering thoughts that tell you that you're stupid, that you're ugly, that you're not worthy, that your body doesn't look as good as this, that person's or that person's, what does that voice sound like? Whose voice is that actually? Would you really say those mean things to yourself? Or is that your, your mother, your father, your preacher, your teacher, a student, an old friend? Is that the bully in school who makes fun of your clothes or your hair? Whatever it might be. Whose voice is that in your head saying mean things to you? Because no one's born with a voice that says, let's be mean to ourselves. What's the voice sound like when you're encouraging? What's the voice in your head sound like whenever you're telling yourself that you can't accomplish anything if you set your mind to it? What does that voice sound like? They will not sound the same. One will have a sharper tone, a higher pitch, more gravelly, meaner. It'll s- definitely say things that are not beneficial to you. Whereas the voice that is encouraging what does that voice sound like? Being able to identify the differences in the voice and really being able to focus in on the one that's encouraging you and shifting the one that's discouraging you to sound more like Mickey Mouse or Kermit the Frog or whatever works for you. If there's a voice inside your head, not if, but there actually is, and you know there is, a voice inside your head that does not say nice things to you, how can you shift that voice to sound more ridiculous. How can you shift that voice to no longer hold the weight that it has for all of these years? Our physical bodies are what we present to people as the very first indication of, quote-unquote, who we are. But our bodies are not who we are. It is a portion of who we are, but it is not the complete picture. So when you look in the mirror and you see acne, or you see braces, or you you know you see hair that looks a little bit drier with split ends, or you know calf muscles that your know, legs that are 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 fat or skinny or a belly that hangs over the belt or is super skinny and everybody tells you you're, you're you should eat more. Whatever it is that your body is presenting to people, it is your body. You can choose to love your body today just as much as you have been choosing at times to hate your body. At the beginning of this episode, I talked about mental health. I talked about how our mental health is so important because as resilient as people have thought children are for millennia, children aren't resilient. Because if they were, there wouldn't be so many adults who need to see a therapist or need to have some level of medication presented to them in order to balance themselves out. Children aren't resilient, and I know that because I see a ton of adults that are still dealing with childhoods that aren't and never were going to be perfect. In neurolinguistic programming, which I've talked about extensively in here because I am a master practitioner of it and a trainer of it, one of the p- people who uh, was modeled, he was uh, Milton Erickson, best hypnotist on the planet, uh, helped people through you know tens of thousands of, of issues in their lives and was able to get them over to overcome trauma and suffering and the like. It, it just the man was a, amazing. People called him a magician. He was so good at helping people shift their mindsets and get out of limiting beliefs and disempowering thoughts. One of my favorite quotes from him is that it's never too late to have the perfect childhood. If there's something that you feel like is holding you back, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're not happy with your physical body. You look down at your grades and you're not happy with the letter you're getting back. You you think about your level of intelligence or emotional IQ or your physical abilities. Whatever it might be, if you put attention toward it, it will get better. If you've ever thought about seeking out someone who will be able to instill positive mindset, to guide you through ways to see yourself differently, to experience your life differently. I have offered it before and I'll offer it again. This is your chance to stand up, raise your hand, step forward. I'll call on you. Go to at Jesse Mogul on Instagram. Email me um, jessie at com, and let me know that you're that you're struggling. Let me know that there's some suffering happening in your life, and we can figure something out. You have the paradox of choice happening to you every single day? Do you say nice things to yourself or do you say mean things to yourself? Do you begin to take things off the list that while they would be fun or cute or whatever they might be, uh, they wouldn't necessarily be the pick you would make after you've made your pick? How can you take that energy of having missed an opportunity two years from now, and then bring that into the present and say, okay, if I left college and I didn't try to be on the yearbook staff, or if I didn't try to be on the, the, the student government, or if I didn't try to be the, the, the president of my fraternity or sorority, or if I didn't try to go volunteer at Habitat for Humanity, I would very much wish I had. How can you be that future version of yourself who looks down and says, why did I just draft John Brown? I really wanted Benny Snell. I realize now that when I find myself in that paradox of choice, I'm literally running headlong into this wall of I have to make a choice. Will it be the one I ultimately will be happy having made? And there's no guarantee that it will be. But there is at least the possibility of narrowing down the choices now so that I can either attempt all of them and have fun with all of them or at least say, okay, well, these are the ones I'm mindfully deciding to do. These other four or five, those are things I could find outside the college system. Hell, you don't even have to be going to college to be involved in some of these clubs and in, in, in various organizations. So you can always move to a city and still find yourself being involved in some of that stuff, just perhaps not as a as an undergrad. Perhaps you do it whenever you are getting your master's or PhD or whatever it is you're going to do. The moral of this podcast, the moral of this story is that Every single day, we have thousands and thousands of choices that we have to make. Choose to be happy. Choose to be sad. Choose to be angry. Choose to call somebody on time. Choose to show up late. Choose to bring extra pencils to to school. Choose to be on time for that. Bring earbuds. Don't bring earbuds. Charge the phone. Don't charge the phone. Take this route. Don't take that route. Eat this. Don't eat that. There's thousands of choices, and those are just the easy ones. The ones you're not aware of making, the ones that you, know, you just blindly do without even realizing how they're affecting you, those are the ones that we seek to bring out of our unconscious mind and into our conscious awareness. Because when you wake up and just naturally feel like the day is not going to go well, when you just wake up and you naturally feel depressed, when you wake up and you immediately feel alone or sad or isolated, you can choose to feel differently. This show is being developed to show you ways to choose to feel differently. You're not lying to yourself when you begin to expand your mind and realize that what you're consciously aware of is so small of the actual world that's happening around you. Every single second, 2.3 million bits of information are being thrown at you from the size, shape, and colors of the leaves on the tree outside your window to the books on your bookshelf to the way the carpet feels on your feet to everything happening inside of your body. Millions and millions of bits of data are coming at you every single second, and your conscious awareness is able to grasp 126. And even that it gets, end up, ends up getting broken down to like these little groupings of plus or minus two on a seven scale. There's a reason why phone numbers are nine numbers, because the brain really can only hold about nine numbers in its head at the same time before it starts getting confused. They knew this when they chose numbers for phones. Like they were very specific. It's like, oh, most people can handle about seven to nine things, so let's make all, numbers, all phone numbers seven digits. Well, I wasn't going to throw an area code in there. Now it's going to be 10. That's fine, because area codes are pretty standard. They can remember their area code. But let's only make phone numbers seven digits. Then they'll be able to remember it so much easier. And that's chosen because of psychology. So I tell you that little bit of sidebarness, because your brain really is only capable of holding about seven things in it, plus or minus two at any given moment. This is how if you're trying to leave for somewhere and you're grabbing your earbuds and your wallet and your bottle of water and you're grabbing all of this stuff, if that list gets above seven, you're going to start leaving some things behind. And that's happening in your life too. Not just with the things you want to take to school. Not just the things you want to take to work. But it's happening in your normal life. You're so all consumed with not forgetting your wallet or your keys or your water bottle that you're forgetting to work out every single day, or eat healthy, or call your loved ones. Show people attention. Show yourself attention. Don't get so caught up in the little mundane parts of life that you forget to keep an eye on the bigger picture. Stop focusing on the minutiae, and let's launch upwards. Let's take a bird's eye view. And when you look back on your college experience, Are you going to be happy that you stepped outside of your comfort zone, which you were uncomfortable in to begin with? Are you going to be able to look back and say, I put myself out there. I don't care if people didn't enjoy what it was. I don't care if I got up on stage to sing and everyone was like, oh my God, their voice is bad. But you know what? It felt good for me to get up on that stage and sing because I always wanted to do it. Your life will be filled with a boneyard of regrets if you're constantly worried about how other people are going to perceive you while you are reaching for your dreams, your goals, and ambitions. Begin to step into a version of yourself today that cares more about how you see yourself in the mirror and less about how others see you. As always, inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow if you would like to know more about how to get involved in group coaching, one-on-one coaching in order to help you move through any kind of mental, physical, emotional, spiritual health issues that you might be having in your life, please at Jesse Mogul on Instagram, Jesse at Jesse Mogul on email. Please stand up, step forward, raise your hand. I will call on you until next week, my friends be splendid. Bye-bye.